tonight we shall we shall journey through the scripture as the Lord would lead us in the study of his word as we look at understanding adoption understanding adoption we are zeroing in on one of the very key theological debates in the scripture the subjects of adoption there are various few there there are various views of adoption we can look at the legal view we can look at the medical view can look at a few other areas of adoption trying to understand the concepts of adoption and today the lord will not i will not look critically at all the theological debates around the subject of adoption but we are going to look at adoption understanding what the scripture says about it and bringing it home as to how it affects us as Christians, the subject of adoption. Please open your scriptures with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I will read verses 1 to 15. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh god did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirits For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be verse 8 so then those who are in the flesh cannot please god but you are not in the flesh but in the spirits if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you now if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he is not his and if christ is in you the body but the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also 
give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now let's carefully go through verses 12 to 15. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Praise the Lord. Now, I'd like us to understand that from the very beginning of time, when God made man, the reason why God made man was that man may worship him. The reason why God created man was that man may dwell in perpetual union of fellowship and worship with him. And you will agree with me if we go back to what happened in the Garden, at, in garden of Eden. That the Bible will say, in the cool of the day, the cool of the night, God will come down that he may worship, that he may fellowship with man. God is always perpetually, habitually in the act of seeking for men who will worship him. God has always been seeking for men who will run into fellowship with him. And that was what was evidenced in the garden, even at Eden. But you will discover that over time, there was a distortion to that plan. Something happened to that original arrangement. When man decided to take from the fruit that the Lord said man should not eat from. And at that point, that union, that branch, that, con- that, co- that, 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 that connection that connected the roots, the stem to that branch was cut off. That nutrients, that spiritual nourishment we were getting as various branches attached to that stem attached to that plant, attached to that tree of life, was disconnected. It was not originally supposed to be so, because the reason why God created man was that we shall remain rooted. We're supposed to remain rooted to that tree of life, which is Jesus himself. But at the point in time when man sinned, when sin was introduced into the life of man, we were cut off. We were no longer a part of that particular branch, of that particular tree, and you will discover, you will remember. The Bible says that any tree that beareth not forth fruit, it shall be cut off. So, whenever a man begins to play with sin, whenever a man begins to play ar- around the corridors of evil, he is cut off. And when a tree, when a branch is cut off from the plant you will agree with me that so many things can happen to that branch. Over time, the branch will wither. Over time, the branch will decay. Over time, the branch will become manure. Over time, the branch will disintegrate and become like like the soil. Now, the scripture said that this was our case. When Adam sinned, we were cut off. 
were cut off from the tree of life. And when Jesus, when God in his redemptive plan to restore us back to the original position, the Lord said, whom shall I send? And he said he was going to send his son because the Bible says that he was looking for who can open the scroll. Nobody was able to open the scroll. So he looked and Jesus said, here am I, send me. So the Lord sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus came for the purpose of adopting us back. Back to the original plan. That is to bring us back to the tree of life. So that we can enjoy again the privileges as as had before. Now that is what we want to look at in a very short while that we have. Now I'd like to explain a little bit. When a child is adopted, that child moves permanently from one family to another family. The moment a child is adopted, the child no longer pays any allegiance to the family where he was the moment he is adopted. That means the adoptive parents have the same rights and privileges as the parents whose children were born to them. So it does not matter to it does not matter whether I was the one that gave birth. At the point at which I have adopted the child, the child becomes legitimately mine. All the rights and privileges that is dear to appertaining is conferred upon the child and conferred upon the parent. We are going on a journey. We are going on a journey. It is a legal procedure. Adoption is a legal procedure in which all parental responsibility is transferred to the adopters. It's not possible for somebody to be adopted. And after he has been adopted, they now say, no, you've only adopted how? You've only adopted him, but you don't have any legal rights over the child. No, every legal right over that child is transferred to the adopted parents. Now, every right and privileges is also given to the child that has been adopted to the new home. So it does not matter whether the child was born by a poor beggarly father and mother. The point at which a rich man and a rich woman decides to adopt that child, the child has automatically become the child of a rich, of a rich parents. Now, when Jesus Christ decided to bring us back to the father, he no longer paid attention to where we are coming from. Now, where we are coming from no longer mattered. What we have done before, the point at which a man is adopted, the history of where he's coming from or where he was coming from is erased. He starts a new life with the master. And that is why the Bible says in that Romans chapter 8 verse 1 we said, we read, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus under a condition if you will not walk according to the flesh, but if you walk according to the spirit. So after the adoptive process has been concluded, there is no more condemnation. It doesn't matter whether you were born in the gutter. It doesn't matter whether you were born by a one-eyed man. It doesn't matter. 
there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, I'd like to ask, during adoptive process, who needs, who, who is actually in want and who actually needs something? I hope I, was, I explained it very, very well. I want to adopt somebody. I want to adopt a child. Who is in need? Hmm? Sir Amma. I want, someone wants to adopt a child. Who, who, who is in need? Who is in need and who wants something? Both of them. Thank you, sir. Eh, is that? Because I, I'm, not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that's the right answer. I think I saw it. I had a different answer. Eh? The adopted. The adopted is the one that's, that has a need. The, the adoptee doesn't need, Abby. It's both. It's both. It is, it is, see, every time a man sins, God is always the one searching for us to bring us back. He wants relationship. He wants fellowship. He wants us to be in constant union with him. It is the one looking at it physically, naturally, biologically now. The one who wants to adopt a child wants a child because it's either because there's no child or because I have two children and I want an additional child to the number of children I have or I just want to make somebody somewhere happy. I have discovered because there are many reasons for adoption. You would only adopt because there's no child. Some people adopt because I want, to, I, want to, I want to beautify the life of somebody who is in need. These are the things God looks out for in us. So he comes for us. So the same way the adoptee wants to do something, the adopted is in need of love and care. The same thing happens in the spiritual realm. God wants a loving fellowship with man. So he comes for man. And when he comes for man, Seeking for a man who can repent genuinely. Who needs salvation? Who needs spiritual care? Who needs spiritual warmth? He comes for us. Now, but adoption process does not just happen like that. It goes through a process. Some forms will be signed. Some people will have to append signature. In short, in some places, there is a public, there is a public agency that handles it. When the government decides that we are going to be the one to handle the issue of adoption. Because the government will identify families or an individual who can handle a child and they give to the individual. That's a public agency. But so that there's also some private agency that the government will identify some, some, some individuals or some agencies that are into this thing. And they give them the license to carry it out. But the third and the most important one as far as I'm concerned is that every adoption process is handled by an attorney. Handled by an attorney. Handled by a barrister. Handled by a lawyer. And in this spiritual context, the one who handles our adoption process is our eternal attorney, who is Jesus Christ. Who went to the cross. In short, the Bible puts it very clearly. The Bible puts it very clearly. Is it in Colossians? In Colossians, the Bible was saying, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. Let us see how the Bible puts the way our attorney handles our adoption process. 
He says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was written against us. Now, please pause it there. Leave it there. Let me explain. Can you look at me? In adoption, the agency will always request and require what is the medical condition of the one who is about to be adopted. The one that wants to adopt, they will also run some medical tests on them. They will find out, are they they mentally okay to handle the child? Certain things are done to ensure papers are signed, pen is put on paper, they are pen signature here and there so that the adoption process can go well. The Bible says, when Jesus was trying to win us and adopt us back, the Bible says, every written, every handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and the Bible says, and he has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. Verse 13, give me verse 13, 13 and 14. I want to hear. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. See, moving us from dead situation to a situation of life. This is what the chief attorney does in the life of a man when he wants to adopt, when he wants to change us from where we are to a better place. In First Peter chapter 2, in First Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10, the Bible puts it very clearly. The Bible says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in verse 10, the Bible says, you, who once we are not a people, but now the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Is adoption. We were in darkness. He adopted us from the place of darkness and brought us to the place of light. We were not a people before, but he adopted us took us from the place that a place of uncertainty and placed us in a place of certainty. That is what God can do in the life of a man if he's to perfect the adopt, ad- adoption process of a man. Now, what is the right of adoption? I want us to look at about four or five rights a man can have the moment a man is adopted. Number one, you have the right of sonship. Anybody who is adopted automatically enjoys the right of sonship. The moment you have adopted a man into a home, you have adopted a child into a home, the child has the right of sonship. Whatsoever is the right of the son in the house, the child that you have adopted automatically has that right of sonship. I'd like to ask you, How many children does God have? How many children does God have? Or how many children did God have? The John John chapter 3 verse 6, because because already nobody's answering, because we are wondering, what's the answer? What's the answer? John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world, that what? I'm not hearing you. That he gave, what? One of his only begotten son. He gave what? His only begotten son. Only one son. Only one son. 
But do you know that it is because of adoption we have become heirs together with his son Jesus. So when a man is adopted into a home, all the right of sonship comes upon the child. Whether it's a child, whether it's a boy or it's a girl, the right of sonship comes upon him. We were not originally engrafted, but by virtue of the adoption that God has made, by the finished work upon the cross, we have become like his, we have become like his son. Indeed, not just like his son, we have become his son. The right of sonship. So today, the Bible says we can call him Abba, Father. That was the scripture we read in Romans chapter 8 in verse 15. He said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again. The moment you have been adopted, we no longer, no longer flow with the spirit of bondage. He said, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We cannot call him Father. When we come and we say, our Father, our Father who art in heaven, Amen. Hallowed be thy name. It's because we have received the spirit of sonship. We have received the spirit of adoption wherein we can call him Abba, Father. That is number one right. A man enjoys the moment he comes into the, the issue of adoption. Number two, the second right we enjoy even in adoption is the right of inheritance. Everything, everything that pertains to the father becomes yours. Everything in the kingdom becomes yours. The moment a man is born again, he's no longer, the moment a man has been grafted, he's no longer troubling, tro, tro, uh, 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 troubling himself with the causes of this world. He's no longer troubling himself or worried about the issues of life. You know why? The Bible says there is therefore now no more condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. But there is a proviso. For those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So another privilege we have, and I write in the place of adoption, is the right of inheritance. Whatever my father owns is mine. I don't need to, I, that, 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 I don't need to enter the house and ask my father, should I own the television? I, I switch on the television. It is a visitor who will come and say, I want to watch Asna versus Man U. Please, can we switch on the television? Even if we are watching the television, can say, please, can you put it on channel 223? He will be asking. But the owner of the house need not ask. He just switches on the television. He goes on. He enters the room. The best he can do is to show respect to the father and the mother and knock before entering the bedroom of the father and the mother. But he has rights. He has access to everything. The right of inheritance. What do you have? It was given to you by your father. We can stand and say that sickness cannot reign in our body. It's not because we do not, it's not because we have the power, but we have the right of inheritance of good health. The Bible says that since I was young, now I am old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. It is a right of inheritance that we have in him. The third thing is that we have very closely related is that we have the right of ownership. Do you know, not just an inheritance that will not come to us, but the right of ownership. The right of ownership. The moment a man is engrafted in the branch, or an engrafted branch is engrafted back to the plant, you are no longer questioning or asking yourself question to say, 
am I a part of this branch? Am I a part of this tree? No. You have been adopted and engrafted to that tree. You are a part of that tree. It is a right of ownership. Another right you enjoy, the moment you enjoy the spirit of adoption, is a right of association. You are no longer alienated. You are no longer away from the commonwealth of faith. You are no longer away from, you are no longer away from those who are saved. But you enjoy the right of association. Wherein you can come before him and call him Abba, Father. We have the right of association. Another right we have, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, is that we have the right of security. The right of security. We are secured. We are secured. Remember Colossians that we read, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14? The Bible was calling attention to that. Anything that has to do with us, he has taken them away. That is the right of security. Now, who are those who need this adoption? Three categories of people I, I, I put together who needs this adoption. Number one, the repentant sinner. In John 3, verse 16, the Bible was very clear to put it very, very, very easily. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever. He didn't say that for those who have committed one sin, he said that whosoever, no matter who you are, you have the rights for this adoption. The repentant sinner, anybody who can genuinely repent of his sin, has the right for this adoption. Has the right to be adopted back to the original plant and the original tree. And you want to ask me, Pastor, when you say whosoever, do you mean even the Boko Haram of today, who has killed people, who has maimed people, who has done abominable things? Pastor, do you mean they also? I am saying even more than that. Anybody, anybody who genuinely repents has the right to be engrafted back and to enjoy it. The repentant sinner. Number two, the guilt-ridden sinner. The sinner that is filled with guilt. Guilt-ridden sinner. The sinner that is troubled with guilt. Have you sometimes found yourself in a condition that you have truly repented, but the guilt of what you committed is not allowing you to move on. The Bible says you can be engrafted back. Sometimes some of us cannot perform again in the office we were performing before we committed sin because the guilt of that sin that we committed is not allowing us to have free access. The Lord said, I have forgiven you. Even on the cross, he said it. He said, Father, do not hold these things against, against them. It's, it's, it's so simple, so simple and so easy. What is it that is troubling you, that is making you feel, ah, God cannot forgive this one? The Lord is saying, I have forgiven it. You are seated down and you are, you are seated there and you are asking the question, ah, this thing is an issue in my heart. Too. The Lord is saying, it is over. In Romans chapter 11 verse 23, I read from, my, from the scripture, the Bible says, that and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Everybody, no matter who you are. If as long as you refuse to continue in unbelief, you can be grafted in again. Everybody, no matter who you are. Boko Haramo, you can be grafted in. 
no matter what you have done. Ayo Babalola, is he Ayo Babalola now? The leader of uh, CAC, Ayo Bala, with all the anointing he had, the wife was something else. The wife was, in short, you can imagine somebody who went to cook, who went to, who, that who went, the, the, the husband went out, she went, took the neighbor's chicken, cooked, the, stole the neighbor's chicken, cooked the neighbor's chicken, and served the husband. The moment the husband came back from his mountain, the moment he entered, he said, my husband, I have food for you today. The husband was surprised. How come suddenly you are so nice to me today? He said, ah, can't somebody change? Can't, somebody, can't God touch the life of somebody? My husband, eat food, enjoy yourself. The husband started eating. The husband was saying, God, thank God for today's mountain that I went to. It has changed my life, my wife's life for the better. While he was still eating, the wife did not even allow him to finish. He said, I thought you were a man of God. If truly you are a man of God, how did you not know that the chicken you are eating is our neighbor's chicken? How come you didn't know? The man did not believe what he had. He didn't know whether to swallow the one in his mouth or to spew it out. The man stood up and walked away. But do you know, with all these things this man did, sometimes the man will be coming from where he went to pray. The woman will meet him outside, be dragging him, and the man will be rolling on the floor. But do you know after this man died, this woman who did all this thing repented and started serving God. Doing a, what do you think? After all the sin commotion you committed, you still say you are coming to serve this Jesus. Everybody has rights of adoption. No matter what you have done, everybody has rights. Adoption, this kingdom thing is not for some special people. Even the worst of sinners has a place in the kingdom. That is the beautiful thing about God. It is not a court. It's a place where men are saved. Everybody can come. There is room for everybody. You have rights of adoption. All you need to do is to be a repentant sinner. Implication number three is that our, our adoption is not by works, but by grace. Have you seen somebody, a child they want to adopt in a motherless baby's home? Who is the one writing letter to the mother, to the adoptee, that come and adopt me? No. It's not what you did. It's not because you are too fine. Sometimes the ones who go there to adopt a child, they don't just go adopt and they say, ah, this one is very fine. If it's very fine, do you know if it's very healthy? And that's why they will do medical tests. They will check. Is the child okay? They will do some tests. They will, do, they will, do, they will, they will sign paper. If the attorney is saying, no, this one may not be right, they won't adopt him. Are you ready to be adopted? Are you ready to be engrafted? Sometimes, even when they perform surgical operation, even when they have done the tests, and they say the thing looks okay on some people, after they have finished, they say they brought organ to add the body. After a while, they will say the thing is not still working well in the person's body. Are you ready to work well in the body of Christ? That is the question we should be asking ourselves. Are we ready for the adoption? Number four. The fourth implication about adoption is that we must begin the lifestyle of the new family. You can't be adopted from the family where you were and still enter this new family and you are still behaving as if you are in the other family. No. The other family didn't have money. So because of that, they gave you out. But the new family that have taken you now has money. And you need to now know that you need to change your garments. It's possible that some conditions were very right in your former family, but something happened and the new family who has not taken you is saying, no, you cannot do this. 
you can no longer behave like you were in your old family. People of God, the moment you are adopted into the things of God, you leave your old nature. How can you be in church? You are still behaving as if you are in the world. How can we still be in church? We will still be speaking the language of the enemy. No. The moment a man is adopted, things about his life changes. His dressing changes. The way he talks changes. His relationship changes. The way he relates changes. People will say, what has happened to this brother? He has been adopted. He is no longer in the old tree. He is now engrafted to a new branch. His life changes. His, the way he talks changes. His mannerism changes. His idiosyncrasy changes. Everything about him is a collective change. You know why? Because he has now been added to a tree that is a tree of life. People of God, are you still carrying the same nature of the old life? You have not been adopted. Am I still carrying the nature of the old life? I have not been properly adopted. There is something wrong with the surgical operation that happened. I may require to go for another operation. Sometimes when we look at our life and the things that are happening is not consistent with the things that was done when we entered into the spiritual surgical room. We need to ask ourselves, was the adoption properly done? How did we come to the kingdom if we are still speaking the language of the world? Finally, we can lose the adoption. Romans chapter 11 verse 21 tells us that even after you have been adopted, you can still lose it. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. People of God, don't be too comfortable. The Bible says, let him that sin gets his stand. Take heed, lest he falls. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed. Ikoi Baptist Church is a Bible-believing church located at 5-7 Latif Jakande Road in Ikoi of Lagos State, Nigeria. You can find us on Facebook as Ikoi Baptist Church or reach the church directly via phone at 0163-20485 and 0163-20486. For more information, please visit the church website at www.ikoibaptistchurch.org We look forward to having you back next week.